Welcome to the Credit Union Roundtable, a show about everything credit unions. Now, here's your host, Walter Laskos. Welcome to Credit Union Roundtable. I'm your host, Walt Laskos, and uh, inviting you to join with us now for the next hour as we take a look at uh, a lot of things that impact uh, our daily lives, particularly from a financial standpoint that... uh, that relates to credit unions, what they do in the world, what they do in your local communities, and how they serve your needs and your interests uh, in ways that deliver a better banking experience. Uh, Joining me today uh, are a number of guests that we have, and we're gonna start off talking about credit unions. Uh, October, uh, during the month of October, we focus in on cooperatives, and we also celebrate International Credit Union Day. Uh, Credit unions are financial cooperatives, and and that brings us into uh, focusing a lot of our discussion about credit unions, what they are, how they got started, um, also uh, what kind of things that they do in the world and and how they contribute to the financial services that so many people uh, really take advantage of. Joining me in our in our opening segment of our program is Stephanie Smith. Stephanie is the curator at America's Credit Union Museum in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, really site of the first credit union in the United States. Stephanie, glad to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Talk to us a little bit about, uh, for those that know nothing at all about credit unions, basically, first of all, what is a credit union? What makes it different from, uh, let's say, you know, some of the big banks that we see down the street? Sure. Um, well, the nickel tour of the Credit Union Museum um, starts with 1908. There were um, mill workers in Manchester, New Hampshire, who worked in the textile mills there, and they didn't have access to financial resources. Um, the big banks were across the river. The parish priest from the church that was next door reached out to the owner of the home and the two of them got together. It was a lawyer and a priest and they reached out to a gentleman. I know, it it sounds like a dad (laughs) joke, doesn't it? Um, They reached out to a gentleman by the name of Alphonse Desjardins in Quebec Mm -hmm. who um, brought credit unions to Canada from Europe and he came to Manchester, New Hampshire and started the first credit union at um, the location of where the museum is today and it was the Le Casse Populaire or the Bank of the People. Um, It was to help his parishioners have access to financial resources. Mm -hmm. Um, They pooled their money. It cost $5 to become a member of the credit union. It's still the same today. Mm. And in essence, what credit unions are, it's a collection of people that um, all have something in common and they work together to provide for their group. So the source of the finances really comes by all the folks that want to belong to this enterprise. They all put in X number of dollars uh, and that's what the credit union people who run the operation use to make loans or do exactly, things like that Exactly, exactly. So every member um, puts in the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, St. Mary's Bank was $5. Everybody is a member, so everybody has an equal say in what that organization does. Mm-hmm. So you have one voice. Um, so basically you're saying they own absolutely. They own the operation. And that's the fundamental difference between banks and credit unions. The credit unions are owned by the people who belong to it, the members mm-hmm. owned. So it's a member-owned financial institution. Right. And it's not, you know, like when you think about it, too, you know, for a lot of the banks, they're for-profit. Uh, shareholders put their investments into the bank. And, you know, that's a, that's a wonderful operation if that's what you're looking to do, you know, to, to be a shareholder and to make money in that, in that kind of respect. Exactly. 
exactly. for credit unions, the business model is different in that it is a cooperative. It is that, like you say, you know, folks put their money in and that they pull that money and from there they're able to to do things. What where did credit unions go from there? Where where do they stand at today that that makes it makes it a little bit different? I mean, obviously that was the first credit union up in Manchester. I take it that it it kind of blossomed uh, from that point on? So what's terrific about credit unions is the model that they started in 1908 in Manchester, New Hampshire, is the model that they carried forward today. So now today, over 110 million people belong to credit unions. Mm. There's 5,000 plus credit unions across the country. So the seed that was planted in Manchester, New Hampshire, sort of carried across the country um, starting in 1934 when the Credit Union Act was passed. Um, and it's it's just sort of grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people, too, and per- probably those listening, uh, might think that, well, credit unions, that's where I could go get a loan for my car. But, you know, I, in, in many respects, credit unions are, are much more than just a loan for your car. Uh, you know, it's a place to save. It's a place to, uh, you know, to invest. It, it, it provides, credit unions provide all the same kind of banking services like a non-cooperative run financial institutions provide. Right, absolutely. I think that one of the things that we capture at the Credit Union Museum are the stories of people helping people. And that is certainly the motto of credit unions is the people helping people. Um, But those models are, you know, in the 1900s, they were as relevant as they are today. It's still all about um, going to your credit union, whether you need a loan for a car, whether you need a mortgage, or whether you need somebody to help you plan your financial future. Um, Credit unions really Mm -hmm. care about their members. Um, It's sort of like a big family. And I think that we also want to be mindful of uh, the fact that with credit unions, the business model, the the, uh, cooperative business model, has a certain set of values and principles that distinguish it uh, as a cooperative enterprise. You know, and I think one of them, well, out of the the seven principles that define a, a cooperative, uh, one of those principles is education, certainly. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, and that, I think, it really focuses on a lot of the, the fact that credit unions are very dedicated to uh, educating their members, educating those in the community on how they could be good stewards, managers of their, of their money, of their savings, because the better that they can manage, the better, happier, prosperous they are. Absolutely, whether it be financial education for high school students, whether it be retirement planning for um, older members, um, there's certainly an opportunity for any member of a credit union to get financial education in whatever area they find they need it. And you know, and that education really is not just simply something that we do, but it's really something that is in the DNA. That, Absolutely, that really, it's not what we do, it's what we are. Yeah, it really makes right. credit unions what they are, because if credit unions don't do uh, education, then you, it basically you lose one of those principles and you're no longer really a cooperative. So sure. there's, there is a reason for that, and I think the same is also true for how credit uni- unions give back to the community. Uh, there's a, there was one of the principles is concern for the community, supporting the community, so that, of course, the better the community prospers, the better the credit union prospers. And I think credit unions are really known for their charity. Of course, absolutely. Whether it be um, organizations that we partner with, whether it be, you know, Children's Miracle Network on a national level, the local Make-A-Wish, um, or even just, you know, we go next door to the fire department mm-hmm. and help out over there when we can. Um, it's, it is in our DNA to, to help others. And in Massachusetts, of course, the state charity that credit union support here is uh, a, a bed for every child. 
part of the uh, Massachusetts Coalition for the Homeless, and down in Delaware, uh, the whole charity down there are the Boys and Girls Clubs of Delaware. Sure. So credit unions, again, are known for that. Stephanie, thank you so much for, for being with us today, for, for helping us understand uh, basically what credit unions are, what we're about, and, and what makes us different in the financial services world. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Okay, and we'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. This is the Credit Union Roundtable. Studies suggest that between 3 and 5 million seniors fall victim to financial abuse each year. While one out of nine seniors falls victim, only one in 44 will ever report it. Financial abuse is costing the elderly approximately $36 billion each year. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. Do you know what a credit union really is? Credit unions are simply another way to do your banking, but they offer some big differences. Credit unions are financial co-ops governed by business practices and values that are much different than those at a for-profit company. And for those doing their banking at a credit union, that makes a big difference. Visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com and discover why credit unions can offer you a better banking experience. Almost one in 10 financial abuse victims will turn to Medicaid as a direct result of their own monies being stolen from them. Abused seniors are three times more likely to die. Elder abuse victims are four times more likely to go into a nursing home. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. How would you rate the experience you have every time you do your banking? Are you nickel and dime by fees? Is mobile banking easy to use? When you call, do you actually talk to a person? Visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com and use our free banking experience scorecard to find out how well your banking services provider is meeting your expectations. Answer a few easy questions and learn your score. You just might be surprised by the rating you receive. Get your free scorecard today at BetterValuesBetterBanking.com. Now, back to the Credit Union Roundtable with Walter Laskos. Welcome back to Credit Union Roundtable. I'm your host, Walt Laskos. In our last segment, we heard from Stephanie Smith about the origins of credit unions in the United States. Now, let's take it to the global level and talk about the World Council of Credit Unions. Uh, the World Council is the leading international trade association and development, development agency for credit unions and cooperative financial institutions. It was founded in 1971 and is headquartered in Madison, Wisconsin. Joining me today is its president and CEO, Brian Branch. And Brian is uh, on the line with us from Madison, Wisconsin. Brian, thank you for uh, being part of our program today. Thanks, Walt. Uh, great pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, tell me, let's let's set the stage. We were just talking about credit unions in the United States and how they got or, you know founded and, and uh, organized. Well, a lot of people you know may not know and realize that credit unions are not only restricted to the United States, but they are all over the globe, and that's what your agency uh, uh, provides guidance and advocacy for. Well, that's right. There are. 118 countries where you can find credit unions today, so that's about 85,000 credit unions. 
And today, Ukrainians are serving about 274 million people around the world. So you can find Ukrainians most anywhere. You will not find them in Cuba. And uh, now we've done some work to try to convince uh, the Cuban government to allow Ukrainians to happen. And you won't find them in North Korea, and we're not, we're not working on that. Ah, well, you know, the one thing I think that, that really ties in with all this is that credit unions are democratically controlled. Uh, every member puts in money. They have one vote. Uh, there's no discrimination. Uh, and and I, I often think to myself, if anyone ever wanted to sow the seeds of democracy in any country, start a credit union, right? Absolutely. And, you know, that, that uh, cooperative structure... Uh, make a tremendous difference, and the grassroots, the local ownership, make a huge difference. So, frankly, you can find uh, most most countries around the world that that's where people exercise their local democracy, and that drives the the mission of the Ukrainians to respond to their local community needs. But it also gives people a chance to help resolve many of the local challenges or crises that they're facing. A lot of the things that we see in the news, frankly, have their roots at the community level, and they have their impact at the community level. And that's where we get pulled in over and over again, is where communities ask Ukrainians to respond to these issues. And Ukrainians, because they're driven by their communities, uh, look for ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, when you go, if, if you have a country that's looking to establish a credit union, it's not like, you know, it's, it's a business organization that you and the World Council comes in, but you basically get and bring along with you other uh, credit union uh, executives from, from various credit unions, and as a team, basically guide and work with the folks in that country or in that, in that town or village to, to create this financial cooperative? Absolutely. So, um, you know, we're, we're a couple of caveats there. One is we're a very small organization, so we do the work that we do. You know, when we talk about 118 countries, by leveraging the resources within the U.S. Great Union system. So the U.S. Great Unions really provide leadership around the world in terms of volunteer effort, in terms of hosting international groups that are wanting to learn about Great Union, and also providing some of the guidance in terms of the advocacy work that we do. The the other caveat is that, you know, as I mentioned, you find Cretans most everywhere, everywhere around the world today. So uh, a few years ago, we started a Cretan system in Afghanistan, which is which is doing well in a very difficult context. But it's, it's pretty rare these days to actually go out and create new Cretans. Rather, what we do is strengthen the Cretans that are there, help them serve underserved markets, expand their services, update, modernize, digitize, help them pool their resources to work as a network. And uh, very often if we have a group uh, that, uh, that is looking for access to services, it's more sustainable to help them by integrating with an existing credit union rather than start a new credit union. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian, I would imagine that in some countries it must be very challenging to really try to set up a, a you know a credit union, a financial cooperative, because of maybe local customs or traditions. And 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 uh, how what are what are some of those kind of challenges that you face, and how do you address them? So, um, you know, frankly, you find that uh, the basic cooperative values and the local community empowerment mission of a Ukrainian may Ukrainians fit 
well into most any kind of uh, culture or society or tradition. But your question is about what are the obstacles that we face? Um, and, you know, those obstacles are the same obstacles that uh, existing credit unions face, and people in the U.S. credit unions are going to find these very familiar. The, the biggest obstacle are the regulatory constraints, the regulatory burden, uh, the regulatory limitations, and so that's one of the first things that we have to be able to address. Uh, the second is going to be technology, and in this day and age, consumers expect to do uh, things on their mobile phones, and it has to be uh, immediate. And so much of what what we try to do is find ways to help Koreans provide consumers with the immediacy and the convenience of services that they're looking for. Now, this can be a challenge in terms of the expense of that technology, but it can also be a tremendous boom. We have Koreans now that reach very poor uh, populations in Latin America and Africa, people in very remote rural areas where you don't have the infrastructure, you don't have the density for a branch office. Today, with mobile technology, we have Koreans serving people that never had access before. Um, and so, you know, we with that challenge comes another challenge, which is cybersecurity. So mm. most uh, most Koreans today plug in and inter- uh, interface uh, with the Internet at some point, and, of course, that makes them vulnerable. Uh, to cybersecurity. Well, you know, I'll tell you one thing, Brian. We're gonna we don't have a lot of time, but a couple things. One is we definitely want to have you back again on a future uh, edition of our program, so we can learn more about uh, the work of credit unions on a national level. And finally, in closing, I want to say Happy International Credit Union Day. Uh, the the program uh, is airing during October, during uh, the month when we celebrate international credit unions and, and the global reach of credit unions. And it was a pleasure, sir, having you uh, be part of our program today. Well, thanks, Walt. Happy International Korean Day as well, and a big thank you for for all the work that you and your colleagues at the Cooperative Korean Association have done with us to help our colleagues around the world. All right. Thank you, Brian. And you're listening to the Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. We'll be back to the Credit Union Roundtable after this. You've heard the saying, you get what you pay for, right? Well, how do you feel when you deposit your hard-earned cash and don't receive the kind of value in return that your money represents? With credit unions, you'll always get what you pay for because you're more than a customer. You're a member owner. Because that's why credit unions are always rated number one in customer satisfaction. Credit unions deliver value, and that's why they will offer you a better banking experience. Learn more at BetterValuesBetterBanking.com. With 1 in 20 seniors indicating some form of perceived financial mistreatment in the recent past, elder financial abuse is vastly underreported. Cognitive impairment and the need for help with daily living make seniors more vulnerable. Studies show 90% of abusers are family members or trusted caregivers. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. Do you know what a credit union really is? Credit unions are simply another way to do your banking, but they offer some big differences. Credit unions are financial co-ops governed by business practices and values that are much different than those at a for-profit company. And for those doing their banking at a credit union, that makes a big difference. Visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com and discover why credit unions can offer you a better banking experience. 
Definitions may vary, but elder financial abuse is generally considered financial exploitation. It involves stealing money or taking over assets without permission of a senior, age 60 or older. And it's usually perpetrated by a family member, caregiver, or another trusted person. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. How would you rate the experience you have every time you do your banking? Are you nickel and dime by fees? Is mobile banking easy to use? When you call, do you actually talk to a person? Visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com and use our free banking experience scorecard to find out how well your banking services provider is meeting your expectations. Answer a few easy questions and learn your score. You just might be surprised by the rating you receive. Get your free scorecard today at bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. Studies show financial abuse can increase hopelessness and risk for depression. Experts say being financially exploited can deeply undermine a person's ability to trust others. This leads victims to withdraw and become isolated, making them more vulnerable to re-victimization. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. Learn more about credit unions anytime at bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. Now, back to the show. I have the pleasure of being joined by four CEOs that represent four different credit unions inside the Cooperative Credit Union Association, which represents four states, Delaware, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. So I'd like to go around the room, and if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and what state you represent and what credit union. Hi, I'm Jerry King, and I'm president and CEO of Dexte Federal Credit Union in Wilmington, Delaware. Thank you. I'm Brian Hughes, the CEO of Holy Rosary Credit Union, also known as HRCU in Rochester, New Hampshire. Thank you. Hi, I'm Gary Furtado, President and CEO of Navigant Credit Union in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Thank you. And I'm John Bissell with Greylock Federal Credit Union. We're out in Western Massachusetts. Thank you. Well, gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the inaugural show of Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. This show is called CU Roundtable for Credit Union Roundtable. And I'm excited to have a chance to talk to all of you gentlemen. I've, I've met each of you uh, prior to this show, and it's, it's really it's really amazing to have all of you in one room at the same time and, and talk about the values of credit unions and talk about what each of you feel your credit union is doing in your communities. What makes you stand out? What makes you different than banks or other financial institutions? You know, how you give back. So why don't we start with you and just, just tell us a little bit about your credit union and, and what it means to you in your community. Well, our field of membership is community um, for anybody in Newcastle County, Delaware, and Cecil County, Maryland. Uh, we support uh, Boys and Girls Club of Delaware. Um, we support our Sunday breakfast mission. Um, we uh, participate in CU's uh, safeguard, um, the senior safeguard for um, elder abuse. Um, we volunteer at various events. Um, we host various uh, charitable uh, community events. So um, we're out in the community as much as we can. And that really probably sets you aside from other financial institutions in your area. I would think the one-on-one -on -one love that you can give a member is much different than, say, other financial institutions, correct? 
Very much so, and we try and include our membership on those things, such as collecting um, for turkeys around Thanksgiving time for the breakfast mission. Uh, when we have our Skip-A-Pay program, we take a portion of the uh, fee that we charge for that and give back to a local charity. That's great. Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about what uh, Holy Rosary Credit Union does sure. in, uh, in the Rochester, New Hampshire area? Sure, well, uh, we started in 1962, and we're probably a fairly young credit union um, compared to a lot that are um, part of the association. In fact, one credit union just celebrated 100 years, um, wow. who will be at Crescent Credit Union. But um, we started in a basement of a church, and it was a um, predominantly um, can, uh, um, the Canadians, French Canadian who came down, and they couldn't get services at the Irish banks in town in Rochester. So a group of parishioners got together and started a um, credit union in the basement of Holy Rosary Church. And every Sunday they would come down and make deposits in the little metal box. And I still had that metal box. It's pretty cool. Uh, but you know, <coughs> over time, uh, services um, started to develop. People started to take out loans. And we grew by bringing in other parishes. And then as uh, more people started to uh, joined the credit union. The uh, French and the Irish, they kind of became friends, so we allowed the, the Irish to come in too. You're bringing people together. <laughs> bringing people together, <laughs> all, yeah, all community. So, um, so over the years, we, we did develop into a community credit union, um, and now we serve all of New Hampshire. So we right. went from the little metal box to all of New Hampshire. So we're really proud of that. We have um, about 300 million in assets now. We serve about 24 thousand members um, the probably the biggest thing that sets us sets us apart is uh, what we do in the community and like Jerry was saying and I think that's what you'll hear from uh, a lot of credit unions say is what they do in the community I know that anybody who goes into a bank or a credit union is going to get the same loan it's going to they're going to get a mortgage they're going to get a savings account but we have to do something a little different and and because we're a, um, a credit union and we're owned by the members of that community, we feel it's important to give back to the community. And you know, the other unique thing, too, with all credit unions, and something that we're really proud of, is the people who run the credit union are volunteers. And they all come from the neighborhoods, the towns that we serve. So they really set the policy and the direction uh, for the credit union. Talk a little bit more about that, the part you just mentioned there about how it's owned by the members. I mean, right. explain how people own into credit unions yeah. for those listening that might not yeah. understand. Well, it's, uh, you're, as a member, you actually own the credit union. For every time, every, when you open up an account, you open up a share, and that share goes into the ownership of the credit union. So it's, uh, it's a very democratic process you know, on annual meetings, You'll elect your board of directors, and it's all take everyone from the membership is part of the leadership of that credit union. And then they go out and they hire a CEO. So they obviously made a good choice. I was happy about that. Um, they're a good, good, smart group of people. The jury's still out. <laughs> I've heard that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, but, but that's. It, you know, when we're at a board meeting, you know, we're, we're talking about what's happening 
in our community. And, and the other thing that, that we really focus on is when we make a decision on offering a product or we want to bring in a new service, we, we find out what's going to be best for the member first. Right. And if, it, if it's good for the member and we can make a business plan out of it, then we'll, we'll go for it. But um, we don't just provide a service or, or a loan just to make money. It's in if, if it's not going to benefit the community or the member. Right. So I think that that's probably a big difference in, in why uh, the credit unions are so, so successful now there because of that. Um, that philosophy has just continued on, and uh, it's alive and well. Well, and the whole point of this show, Credit Union Roundtable, is to do just that, to highlight the values of credit unions, what credit unions bring to the table. The folks listening to this show ultimately are learning. And that's one of the pillars of what we do, education, right? It's teaching people, and it's really educating the population about what credit unions do for us. So we've heard from two states. Uh, Gary, let's talk about Rhode Island, Navigant Credit Union. You're the CEO there. Talk about some of the unique things you do down in Rhode Island. Okay, thank you. Um, Brian, your story about your credit union started in the basement of a church sounds just like Navigant Credit Union. Uh, but we're a lot older than your credit union, like I'm older than you. Um, <laughs> we started in 1915 in the basement of a church, uh, French Canadians, oh, yeah. same reason, yeah. yep, so uh, 104 years ago, a long time wow. ago. Um, but we have, we have 18 branches, and you know, our philosophy is that um, the communities that we're in uh, with our 18 branches have been very good to us. We've been very successful. Uh, so it's our duty to be good to them also, to the community. So we give back um, dollars, okay, pretty close to a million dollars in donations we give back every year um, to the community. But also time, um, our offices are required to sit on some kind of community board or volunteer at some uh, community thing. So we are out in the community. Uh, we're seen. Um, we have a uh, program uh, called V-Force, Volunteer Force. So everyone in the credit union, all 350 employees get a day off during the year to volunteer wherever they want. Um, so uh, we do that. They, some people do it individually. Some go in a group to volunteer. Um, so we, we are very visible in the community. And uh, like I said, we, we think it's very important that um, community's been good to us. We need to be good to the communities and give back. Talk about the cooperative effort of credit unions and the collaboration just as a whole that you, know, you are with other credit unions and with the community that you live in. Well, I, I think that uh, just what we're here today, the league meeting, I think the league uh, shows that the community, the credit unions work with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, very easy. Um, do we compete with each other? We're a community credit union. There are quite a few community credit unions in Rhode Island, so maybe a little compete with each other, but it's a friendly competition. Um, we, we know there's enough business around there for all of us. Right. Um, so we all work together, and uh, I think, like I said, today is a very good opportunity, I mean, very good example of showing how we work together. We're all here um, hopefully learning and getting some more experience, and and networking. Well, that's why we call the show The Roundtable. We want everyone to come to a roundtable and have a conversation, the men and women that are part of the credit unions across all four states and beyond. I mean, look, there are credit unions outside our association. I mean, really, it's just the full education that we can give the world about credit unions. So, so far, we've heard from Delaware, New Hampshire, and from Rhode Island. And, John, let's talk about what happens in Massachusetts in Pittsfield with Greylock. Sure. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, I think one of the things that sets us apart at Greylock Federal Credit Union is that we have 15 certified financial coaches. We serve primarily a rural area, uh, many, many communities where the population is sparse, and people are working very, very hard, often in service sector jobs. 
maybe working two or three jobs. And what they're looking for from us is just better information, better education about how to navigate their credit score, how to uh, do a better spending plan. And so we have 15 certified financial coaches that will work with them, will take the time to sit down with them and work with them over a period of months or even years. There was one member named Kevin who lived in, a, in his family home for 50 years, the house he was raised in. And after his parents died and his sister died and there was some financial troubles, he had lost the house to a big finance company out of Boston. And this company was trying to charge them 16% interest. And the $1,000 payments they were making every month were what, hardly even keeping up with the interest, never mind the principal. So one of our coaches worked with him. He had virtually no credit score. So over the period of just a year, he was able to establish credit and apply for and obtain a mortgage from Greylock and get out from under that predatory mortgage that he was part of. So now he's got his family home back in his that's family. Great. So that's the kind of stuff that we can do that we should do as a cooperative you know, financial institutions. And uh, that's what makes me proud to work there. You don't hear a lot of these stories with larger banks or larger institutions because I just think, you know, in any, in any field, really, anything, you know, I worked in the media company, in a media company and in the media business for 30 years and small, smaller operations that could really focus on our neighborhoods mattered. The larger the companies get, the bigger they get, the it's kind of we get lost in the shuffle. And it sounds like what you gentlemen are telling me around the table here is that it's very important to each of you in each of the states you represent and the communities, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the consumers, one-on-one -on -one with the customers, with the members, with the people that come into your credit unions. That's very important to each one of you in each state. John, just to wrap up with you, talk about uh, maybe a little charitable uh, arm of what you do out there and, and something you're really proud of at Greylock. Right. Well, we, we, like my colleagues, we put about a million dollars back into the community directly every year in terms of community investments. Um, another thing that we do is we've really established with several of my senior uh, colleagues, women who are on exe our executive team, we've created a women's empowerment program inside the credit union, and they've created a days of caring and days of service outreach where during the course of a week, there will be dozens of women from Greylock that go out into the community and they'll paint a classroom or volunteer at a homeless shelter or something like that. And it just creates this all year long, we're hearing back from those grateful nonprofits about the outreach that we did. That's so great. the money is very needed and very appreciated, but it's also the showing up you know, and rolling up our sleeves and getting to work that makes a big difference too. Well, I want to thank uh, each of you for joining us today. This is the inaugural program of Credit Union Roundtable, and uh, we'll be hearing this on radio stations and uh, apps and downloads and websites. And I can count on all four of you to put this link on your websites to promote the show, correct? Absolutely. Of course. Someone's going to have to help me. But I, I'll I help you do the upload. You did say you were the oldest, right? We'll help you with that. We'll help you. But seriously, I want to thank... Send over to my <laughs> See, that's the cooperative effort. We will all help and cooperate to get that link up on everyone's site. Uh, but you'll be able to uh, listen to this show on bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. And again, gentlemen, I want to thank each of you for coming in here today and representing Delaware and New Hampshire and Rhode Island and Massachusetts uh, with the Better Values, Better Banking initiative. And we'll be back on the Credit Union round table on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. This is the Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. Studies suggest that between 3 and 5 million seniors fall victim to financial abuse each year. While one out of nine seniors falls victim, only one in 44 will ever report it. Financial abuse is costing the elderly approximately $36 billion each year. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. 
Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. Look, if you're shopping around for the best deal, why settle for second best when you can have the very best? When it comes to banking, be sure to check out credit unions. Year after year, the American Consumer Satisfaction Index ranks credit unions number one among all financial institutions for customer satisfaction. Visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com and discover why credit unions can offer you a better banking experience. That's BetterValuesBetterBanking.com. Almost 1 in 10 financial abuse victims will turn to Medicaid as a direct result of their own monies being stolen from them. Abused seniors are three times more likely to die. Elder abuse victims are four times more likely to go into a nursing home. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. You've heard the saying, you get what you pay for, right? Well, how do you feel when you deposit your hard-earned cash and don't receive the kind of value in return that your money represents? With credit unions, you'll always get what you pay for because you're more than a customer. You're a member owner. Because that's why credit unions are always rated number one in customer satisfaction. Credit unions deliver value, and that's why they will offer you a better banking experience. Learn more at bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. With 1 in 20 seniors indicating some form of perceived financial mistreatment in the recent past, elder financial abuse is vastly underreported. Cognitive impairment and the need for help with daily living make seniors more vulnerable. Studies show 90% of abusers are family members or trusted caregivers. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. Now, back to the Credit Union Roundtable with Walter Laskos. Welcome back to Credit Union Roundtable. I'm Walt Laskos, your host. Uh, I have a very distinguished guest for this segment of our program, um, Michael Morrissey. Michael's the uh, district attorney for Norfolk County in Massachusetts. And, uh, Michael, we've worked before. I'm glad to have you with us today. And we worked before a lot. Uh, about elder financial exploitation and, and a lot of the, uh, the scams and the fraud that you see going on today with seniors. Uh, fill us in a little bit. What, what's, the, what's the latest that you see going on from your perspective as a, as a DA in Norfolk County? Well, they have the old ones that I, uh, you and I are probably close in, in age, and I guess I hope we're not to the point where we're going to be part of the elder scam, but I have had my, uh, my credit card stolen. But uh, you see that happening. But you have the old, the old ones where you have the travelers, coming and they want to sell you, they want to seal coat your driveway yeah. and, and it looks wonderful with the motor oil they put on and the first <laughs> rainstorm is gone. Yeah. That, that's still around and um, there are, you know, people want to sell you, um, your, uh, uh, give you a copy of your Medicaid card and, and uh, $25 yeah. you can send it, it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, the telephone scams, which are endless these days. That's and right. It seems like that just won't go away. Well, there's the one that... Um, they call up and said, uh, "This Walt," and they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, this Walt." And they call up and say, "Well, we have your grandson. Um, this is the so and so sheriff's department." And and they say, "Is that Michael?" "Yeah, yeah, it's Michael." Mm-hmm. So you're already giving them information. Yeah. And um, so he said, "Well, he's here. He got locked up on a minor matter, and they need some money. Can you?" And they usually uh, give you some place where you can send money, or they want you to get down to like the Walmart. 
and this happens in a lot of different things. Get on and get a, a, a money card, then oh, you yeah. give them the, the information off the back. Once you give them that, that's like the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, that's like a bearer. That's wand. right. Do you, do you find that in your role as district, district attorney that you, you encounter a lot of, uh, of these kind of scams and frauds going on against the seniors? Well, uh, okay. we're on guard for a lot. The biggest problem is a lot of them are embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so we spend a lot of time in the senior centers and talking to groups, you know, of, of older people um, about, you know, don't be afraid to report it. Tell a trusted friend or relative. You know, if you're afraid to come forward, tell someone else and hope that we try to get them to report it to the local police because for two reasons. And we also, it's important to know if the scam is hitting an area and it's the same type of scam, we don't want anybody else tripped up. So save your neighbor some aggravation mm-hmm. and let the local police department know that, Hey, so and so. I mean, you have the other ones where they come to your door and say there's a gas company, and two people, and one goes down, the, you know, fleeces the house, and they want to go check your gas oh, meter. Yeah. Can you take me down? But the telephone scams are endless, yeah. and uh, it, it's just one of those things that that um, if it seems to be too good to be true, it is. If they're looking for, you know, the IRS never asks you for. Uh, you know, information over the phone, or you get sorts of all sorts of calls about um, you know your Apple Pay account. Is Apple? Trust me, they're not calling you up. You That's know? right, and yeah. uh, they will get a hold and, and of you. Neither, and neither is the IRS. No, they, they want you. They find you. But I mean, <laughs> exactly. Well, I said it many times too. I think if the IRS wanted you, you'd be getting a certified letter or something in the mail. You know, something more I official. Would, I would think that would be. I, exactly. I still trust the U.S. Post Office. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have people um, that are also uh, using the post office too, though, uh, for some scams. So, yeah. And the Postal Service has uh, great investigators as mm-hmm. well. But we, we try to encourage people, uh, see something, say something. It's the same old you know, story as far as, and don't be afraid mm-hmm. to report it. You know, exactly. And I think it so much comes back to, uh, you know, I, I, when I'm out on the road and I, I talk to a lot of seniors at senior centers about, you know, scams and frauds and how to protect themselves, I, I often say to them that, you know, one of the main things to do all the time is to verify. Uh, you know, don't just simply because somebody calls and says, you know, I'm Johnny and I'm in jail and I need you to send money, grandma, you know, verify. Don't sure. take any action to go and start sending off money or, no, or take a phone number and get a Correct. name. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, once you do that, it will probably disappear yeah. and dry up. And, and if you have any doubts about it, when you take that information down then pass it on to the police. Exactly. And I, and I think that's a big thing, too, because I, oftentimes I hear seniors go, well, I don't want to bother the police. They're so busy and all that. But the police, I mean, you figure the, the people in the community, those are the eyes and the ears for the police. Absolutely. The police want to know what's going on in their towns yeah. and in their villages, so they need yeah. the feedback the, uh, from their citizens. The Operation uh, Neighborhood Watch should be alive and well. And mm-hmm. that's probably something that you and I were brought up with. You that's know, right. To see something, say mm-hmm. something. That's what they tell you in an airport these days. Exactly. If you see something out of place, say something. And the police are, can only be so many places at one time. And honestly, I think they would rather come at the front end uh, before the crime was committed yeah. than at the back end when you're a victim. Yeah. And we also see a lot of times, too, and I'm, I'm sure you have, where you get seniors that do get scammed, they lose their money, that's gone. The money, bye-bye money. It's, for, for a lot of parts, I may be surprised if the money ends up. It ends up in the uh, Far East. It ends up in Africa. I mean, mm-hmm. it ends up really out of the reaches of, of uh, those of us even with the, in the continental United States. So a lot of times exactly. that money has gone south. Exactly. I hear, you know, of course, too, in, in the travels I do among the credit unions, I hear a lot of praise for you, 
uh, Michael, and the work that you do on behalf of seniors in, in trying to uh, you know, protect them and educate them from, uh, from falling victim to scams. And I think that's commendable. It's, it's, it comes back to, I think, about all of us being good Samaritans and really looking out and caring for those that are, that are elder and, you know, and helping them to protect the money, to protect their life savings. Well, um, I, I just uh, lost a father last year in his late 80s. I got one uncle left in his 90s who landed on the beaches of Normandy. And you see people, when you do get older, you do get a little slow, as mm-hmm. we all do. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's just one of those, some people obviously are, um, afflicted with a little bit slower thought process as they get older and the mm-hmm. aging process, and people take advantage of that. And mm-hmm. a lot of these people are shut-ins, which is why the senior centers are really a value, where they can reach out to people. And they have friends who they know maybe can't get down to the center. Those are the people that you want to try to reach out to as well. So uh, we do a lot of different things in the in local uh, police departments, the council on aging, and the, even the credit unions with their customers reach out, and they, they're always telling people to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. That, that's right, exactly, because uh, certainly with the credit unions, uh, you know, folks are being trained to be very mindful of uh, particularly seniors coming in and asking for or asking to uh, to withdraw large sums of money. Absolutely. Because, you know, the catch there half the time is it, it could be some type of uh, financial exploitation. So uh, tellers or people at the branch are, are going to ask the seniors a lot of questions to try and, and discern you know, is this, uh, you know, authentic? Legit. Is it yeah. legit? Or, sure. or are they being pressured to, you know, take their money and send it to some scammer or a some fraudster? A couple of months ago, we had a good Samaritan cab driver in Quincy who gave a, a, an elderly person a ride to the local Walmart, and they were, they were getting all sorts of cards. And in the conversation, mm-hmm. he, was, he was explaining what the cards were for, and, and the, the cab driver says, no, no, th- th- this is, you know, this yeah. is not right. And and obviously get the police involved. They saved him from losing all the money. And, exactly. and, you know, honestly, sadly, the police would rather be there, as I said, at the front end because at the back end, well, it's kind of that people look at it, it's not a violent crime. It's just your savings. Your money mm-hmm. is gone and very, very hard to get back. You know, uh, you're also joining us today to talk about something else that I think could be very important to, uh, to a lot of our listeners. Uh, because, you know, back in September of 2017, Equifax announced a data breach that exposed personal information uh, of some 147 uh, million people. Uh, and the company now has agreed to do a global settlement uh, with the Federal Trade Commission, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and uh, 50 U.S. 50 states, states and territories. Yeah. Correct. Oh, so fill us in now because I, I believe that there's some advantages, you know, for for our listeners, to, uh, you know, that that comes with this settlement of the Equifax breach. Well, I, I don't pretend to be an expert, but I do have some basic facts, and people can draw their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there is a, a great website, and uh, I think we should mention that a couple times. If you go on www. FTC, Federal Trade Commission, FTC.gov, uh, backslash Equifax. It's, a, it's an awesome website, very simple to use. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, There's also um, a, a phone number that they, ironically, they give you on the website, and uh, I believe it's uh, 833-759-2982, but the website is really the Bible. And okay. not, not every senior is savvy, so ask for some help from mm-hmm. you know one of the family members or friends who might be savvy, but... If you think of uh, the Equifax now, are you, were you a victim, Walt? Mm-hmm. I check? think I might have been, correct. So I have to take so, advantage so, of this. Well, here's the bad news uh, and the good news. You have until January 22nd to, to elect to take advantage of sign up mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Equifax for, uh, for help and services. Now, it takes two forms of help. It's either uh, credit monitoring, 
going forward for different mm-hmm. periods of time, or you can try to seek some kind of cash remuneration, for, depending upon if you've been a victim, what you can prove, your time lost, if you had to get accountants. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I would say this to you. If you think about it for a minute, and uh, you said there's 147 million people yeah. uh, that were affected by this. I was one, you were one. Mm-hmm. If you go online, they put you another website, punch in your name, and uh, a portion of your social security number, and up pops, oh yeah, you're a victim. Mm-hmm. So now that doesn't mean that someone's necessarily taken my ID, but all that information that Equifax stores is sufficient enough for someone to probably open up a credit card in their name. That's mm-hmm. the type of kind of stuff that you want to guard. Right. And, and so, um, so if, uh, if that means that there's 209 million people in the United States over 18 years of age, and you said there's 147 million, so you're talking 70% of us. That means most of your listening audience has probably been uh, you know, affected by this Equifax right. breach. So uh, we tell people if you have any questions, look it up to see if your information has been exposed. And, uh, and look it up on that website, www.ftc.gov backslash Equifax. And then once you find out uh, what it is, you can use that page. You can get credit monitoring up to 10 years, um, four years with all of the, um, the various credit agencies because mm-hmm. there are uh, three of them, Equifax, Experian and TransUnion, so you get, um, we all get one free one every year, Yeah. but this is on top of that, you can get up to six a year for the next four years from all three, and then you can still continue to get monitoring as part of the agreement for another six years with a single agency. That, that seems like that's the better, perhaps, option for it, because you know to have that kind of protection over X number of years, like up to 10 years? Well, the, the financial, I guess the bad news is that uh, even though there's like $425 million that they can use and the initial round is like $31 mm-hmm. million, with so many of us that have been affected, if we all start applying for money, uh, exactly. you know, I, I'll take my chances with the credit <laughs> monitoring. And yep. so, I mean, I don't want to tell people to do one or the other. It's yep. a decision you have to make, but just with so many uh, people, and it sounds like a lot of money, it's almost a half a billion dollars, with uh, with 147 million of us, it doesn't go mm-hmm. too far. I mean, you're probably talking about three dollars a person if everybody were to get some money. Now, not everybody has a financial claim either, so uh, it's a decision mm-hmm. you have to make because they have you check off the box. You can either have the form mailed to you, or you can do it right online in less than probably five minutes. Uh, something I tried as well to see how easy it was, and uh, I'm not the swiftest person, but I can move around a computer a little. But it was easy, so. I would uh, encourage people to do that, and, and um, some people may be, you know, I don't think I'm a victim. I had my credit frozen uh, from a problem a year ago. Someone stole a mm-hmm. credit card, so I froze my credit. Mm-hmm. But um, th- this is the only thing people should remember is that the deadline for um, for filing is exactly three three months from today, Correct. January 22nd. And you mentioned um, the website again? The website is www dot ftc dot gov and then put the backsplash equifax you'll mm-hmm. get to the site quicker yeah, yeah and what we're going to do folks is that we'll also have that same in, or this information and in the website posted to our website where we have a whole list of uh, background information about elder financial exploitation uh, and how you could protect yourself as well as you know the information for equifax and that is at better values better michael thank you so much for for joining us today for your words of wisdom and any any parting closing comment no, to, our, just, to those listeners I, I know that it sounds like uh, we're crying 
wolf, but this is really a simple solution to protect yourself and doesn't cost you any money now. Mm-hmm. And if you can protect yourself, I know the, a lot of when I travel um, on vacation, I usually notify the credit union and the, the bank and they have they monitor all my credit cards. So mm-hmm. it's just simple stuff to protect people that we, we have shredding events in Norfolk County coming up all the time for, at the senior centers and the answer is that same information that you're trying to get rid of and shred is the stuff that Equifax already has, which is why you should pay attention. There we go. Michael, thank you again. This concludes the Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. For more information about local credit unions in your state, visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. That's bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. Studies show financial abuse can increase hopelessness and risk for depression. Experts say being financially exploited can deeply undermine a person's ability to trust others. This leads victims to withdraw and become isolated, making them more vulnerable to re-victimization. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. Do you know what a credit union really is? Credit unions are simply another way to do your banking, but they offer some big differences. Credit unions are financial co-ops governed by business practices and values that are much different than those at a for-profit company. And for those doing their banking at a credit union, that makes a big difference. Visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com and discover why credit unions can offer you a better banking experience. Almost 1 in 10 financial abuse victims will turn to Medicaid as a direct result of their own monies being stolen from them. Abused seniors are three times more likely to die. Elder abuse victims are four times more likely to go into a nursing home. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit BetterValuesBetterBanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. With 1 in 20 seniors indicating some form of perceived financial mistreatment in the recent past, elder financial abuse is vastly underreported. Cognitive impairment and the need for help with daily living make seniors more vulnerable. Studies show 90% of abusers are family members or trusted caregivers. Join with credit unions in your state in our effort to combat elder financial abuse. Elder financial abuse is a serious problem, so we invite you to visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com to learn about CU Senior Safeguard. You've heard the saying, you get what you pay for, right? Well, how do you feel when you deposit your hard-earned cash and don't receive the kind of value in return that your money represents? With credit unions, you'll always get what you pay for because you're more than a customer. You're a member owner. Because that's why credit unions are always rated number one in customer satisfaction. Credit unions deliver value, and that's why they will offer you a better banking experience. Learn more at bettervaluesbetterbanking.com.